Hello and welcome to No Direction's official PaizoCon 2019 seminar coverage in partnership with Paizo. Our coverage would not be possible without the help of our con staff, Paizo, and our patrons. Find more seminar recordings at nodirectionpodcast.com. Hello and welcome to Secrets of the Pact Worlds panel. I'm Rob McCrary. I'm the creative director for Starfinder. I'm Jason Keeley, a Starfinder developer focusing mainly on the adventure paths. And I'm Joe Pacini, a Starfinder developer working on the hardcover line and some other cool things. Yeah. So we're here to talk all about the Pact Worlds and answer your questions about the core setting of Starfinder. And uh, we'll start with a secret that not many people know about, which is we have the planet Castravel, which is the second planet from the sun. Uh, most people say Castravel, but in fact, its real pronunciation is Castrovel because everyone on uh, Castravel has a Russian accent. So totally canon. You can find it written in every book. It's, yeah, that's a huge secret. Right. It's spelled the same. That's why it's written the same. That's right. It's Castrovel. Uh, and uh, Akaton, I'm going to leave you with the one that yeah, you don't, don't have. Yeah, don't take it. <laughs> I won't take it. We'll say that uh, well, Abalon is pronounced Abayon. Because <laughs> of the double L. And, and Akiton is Akiton. Uh, and everyone there has a... a southern accent. Yes. yes. It's like an old west. It's like one big old west planet. Yeah. Uh, 100% accurate yeah. secrets yeah. right here. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> so do we have, does anybody have any questions they want to first bring up about the Pact Worlds? Any questions you have about the setting or anything, whether it's about specifically about that or how we work on it or... Uh, no questions. Let's tell, start telling stories then. Start telling stories about the different things of the uh, of the packed, packed world. worlds. Yeah, we may need to give it a few a few more time. Well, what about uh, is there a favorite part of the packed worlds that yeah. that you have? Okay. What about Jason? What about you? My, I think my favorite part might be the diaspora, just because there's so many different things, and you know, space pirates are cool. Um, uh, and uh, just to the idea of that weird river that runs throughout it, that, that's something that's not in a lot of other sort of asteroid belt kind of things um, and knowing that there's some mysteries there and uh, will we ever solve them? I don't know. What's up with that river anyway? What is up with that river? Mm. It's weird. Secretive. So secretive. <laughs> we, do, we did go into the diaspora worm a little bit for uh, an upcoming book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're interested in that. That's a secret we'll reveal it here. <laughs> well, that's fun because I, I, I remember actually writing the original, uh, basically half a page of text about the diaspora for the core rule book and saying, trying to think of some fun name for those mm -hmm. things. And I was like, oh, we'll just, it was in quotes, so it wasn't necessarily that full name. I was like, diaspora worms, because they're not quite dragons or sea serpents. I kind of wanted to have that flavor to them and hopefully... Uh, that, uh, and, then, and then I let it out into the world, yeah. and everyone took well, Did not ask me to write that. Exactly. <laughs> I, that's fine with me. I, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. uh, thought, Aaron, did you have a question there? Yeah, well, we'll, uh, we'll let the Twitter stream, uh, Twitch stream, catch up. Uh, but, oh, yeah, there's questions. I was going to say, well, yeah, you could talk about the, the Pact Worlds 101 just to jog people's <laughs> yeah. memories. But... <laughs> questions are coming in. All right. So uh, now, oh goodness, my pronunciation is going to be terrible. Um, we'll correct you. Yeah, right. Uh, okay, so question about the Star Stone. Can the test of the Star Stone still be attempted now that it's at the core of Absalom Station, or does security frown on that? <laughs> Maybe yes and, I don't know. <laughs> 
Well, that's an interesting question. Um, that's actually, that's one of the legends of, because in Pathfinder there is the test of the Starstone where you can become a god. Those legends still exist in Starfinder, but security doesn't really have much to do with it because during the gap, everyone on Absalom Station forgot all of the access codes to get to the Starstone. So not even station security can get to access the actual Starstone reactor which powers the, the station and everything. So that is kind of a mystery of the setting a bit. Um, it seems like if you could potentially become a god thousands and thousands of years ago, it would still work if only you could get to it. But so far, no one has figured out how to actually access the Starstone. Have many tried? <laughs> Have some tried? The gap probably. is a yeah. Well, well I mean, the, in the three hundred years, well, since sure. The gap, yeah. probably right. There's a locked door. You're gonna try to hack it. Exactly. Yeah. Someone's gonna. There's try there's it. there's like automated defense systems too. Yeah. I think though, so it's. Uh, no one has done it. It yet. is it is difficult to do that. All right. Um, what is the enclave of Noir? New uh, N U R N U A R. Noir doing on Absalom Station. It's, uh, the, 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 the full and, and straight up answer to that is because of Owen Casey Stevens uh, <laughs> and, and the largesse of Rob giving him uh, basically to do something uh, that he was very excited about and to throw it, it, an Easter egg back towards original Absalom uh, uh, in, on the Isle of Cortos. Uh, there was, oh yeah, I was an editor when the Starfinder Corvo book was being done and I remember, and then the first AP, and we had a little article, of course, mm -hmm. on Epsilon Station and the stat block that tells you the percentage of population and everything. And I was doing my, okay, this many humans, that makes sense. Okay, 1% Nuar? What is that? And like, looking everywhere in our files, like, I don't know what a Nuar is. And I <laughs> Owen and Robin was like, are you this isn't in the game. I'm like, oh, it is. It will be. <laughs> I was like, I'll leave it. All right. It and that goes that goes back to Pathfinder when the the original Absalom book, the City of Secret. No, that's that's Karamaga. Um, the original Absalom book, which City which. Of the center of the world. But it, that wasn't what the subtitle oh. sub 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 was. The big apple. Whatever. The big but windy. Owen Owen, who's also a. Uh, he, works on the Starfinder team, uh, but back then he wrote the book on Absalom and there's the Minotaur Prince of Absalom, which is this albino Minotaur named Prince Nuar. Yeah. And so the name, his name became the name of the Minotaur race in Starfinder that went, that are kind of like, not quite sure what the connection is because the gap gives us that big separation that nobody remembers, but that's certainly the, the behind the scenes thing of how the, the Nuars ended up on Absalom Station. I think they probably needed someone to help uh, build the Absalom Station corridors that are all maze-like and the ghost levels and stuff like that. Yeah. So who better than to sort of bring, bring a Minotaur up and then he off, had offspring, I guess, and thousands of years later, here we are. Indeed. And you can do a smash cut of this afterward where it's like, the gap, the gap, the gap, the gap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair warning. Um, jumping over to Eox for a little bit, and the weapons that destroyed that planet initially, are there perhaps dormant ones still on the planet that could be found? Depends on who's asking, I'm sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> Who do you work for? <laughs> and how much are you willing to pay? <laughs> I mean, a planet is a very big place. Um, I would think, though, that the Eoxians, so they used their weapon to destroy the two neighboring planets, the twins that became the Diaspora, and the Backlash almost broke Eox and really did mess it up quite a bit. I would imagine if there was still some of those weapons left, the Eoxians would have used them again since then. So probably there are not any of that. Although the corpse fleet, 
which is the sort of renegade navy of EOX. They've probably developed all sorts of weapons, and they could very easily have something like that up their pocket, in, in their been, pockets. There may have been sleeves. some leftover schematics from centuries and millennia ago somewhere that someone has that maybe can be... By the way, I have to point out that this is also probably... A good, and, when, and when we go back from this, we'll be like, people have some really good questions. Let's write those down for adventure yeah. ideas. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So now with 2nd edition Pathfinder coming out and goblins are now a core race, um, they are not a core race in Starfinder. I'm wondering is that, are you guys going to start writing in a good goblins into the pack worlds and making part of a, a, the society or are they still going to be considered more of an outsider? So I'm just going to say we kind of did it first with Space Goblins. We gave them playable race tra racial traits right out the bat. Before the game was one. even out, actually. Before the, the, yeah, that's true. Free RPG day, first contact. Yeah. Bestiary. That, that, that's a good yeah. point, yeah. Um, so uh, uh, so they just were just biting our style, clearly. Obviously. Um, but Space Goblins are slightly different from regular Goblins, I guess. Um, and so that they're... Things on fire. <laughs> That's true. They do like laser beams, though. Um, and uh, so, for the fact of the matter is, they're, they're out there. They're, you know, we talk about them being sort of pests in Absalom Station, but there's also, since you can play them as a, anybody, the PCs will have good goblins or what have you uh, running out all over the place. There might, we might come up with a, you know, a colony of something like that shows up of, of space goblins who have done something who are not considered crazy and evil. But for the most part, yeah, um, uh, we did it for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of, we certainly aren't going to change things dramatically at, at this point just to match second edition because they are two separate games. And again, with the gap, which we keep talking about, is also, besides its place in story, it also kind of gives us a dividing line between anything that happens in Pathfinder and Starfinder. And so, um, I mean, obviously people can do bring goblins more in, into their game and, you know, going, we're not doing any sort of, you know, other new edition of Starfinder or anything like that, but in the future you, we could possibly revisit that. But you know, we, we're we're a lot. Starfinder is a lot more based on first edition Pathfinder, or at least the sort of stuff that was created in that. So, no real plans to do anything to match what second edition is doing at this point. All right, next question. Uh, just <laughs> backstory. Uh, I've been talking to people on on Twitch about my my challenges about how I need um, bifocals in my glasses, and I've been, uh, you know, like taking off my glasses and looking at my phone. And uh, so the suggestion was that we um, uh, I increase the size of the font on my phone. So I tried to do that, and then lost like all the chats on my phone. <laughs> on, so so Param, in his genius ways, has now magnified the questions and turned it around so I can actually see the questions from here. And the rest of the room can now see the questions from, from Twitch as all well, right. which is actually a happy accident. I love it. So uh, the, the, now this is not in order of the po questions in which people posted them. I have to go with what's relatively fresh at the moment. We will back, we will we will scroll back up. But for now, the question is, many of the core rulebook races seem to have a patron deity in Starfinder. Who would the Skittermander, Skittermanders consider to be their patron deity, if any? Uh, so I, uh, when working on the Free RPG Day stuff, I kind of had to flesh out a little more about what Skittermander society is and, and culture and whatnot. And it's just little dribs and drabs. And one of the things I talk about, uh, especially the uh, Skittermander pregen that is one of the the, the, the mystic um, 
uh, his name I can't remember all of a sudden. Um, I can remember the other three. But is a is a mystic of Ibra, the inscrutable. Um, and I kind of sort of worked it in that Skidamanders kind of like to look at the stars and like to draw patterns in the stars. And Ibra is a little bit a god of constellations in a lot of ways. So that's not quite their patron deity, but it might be something that they, they, they uh, a large percentage. And when we maybe write more about Skidamander culture, that might change. I mean, Talavet's the, the patron god of the Kasatha, and Kasathas have four arms. So Skitter Manners have six arms. Is it that could be maybe, maybe they may they may like the multi-armed gods. That yeah. could be something. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, Talavet is also community and stuff like that. That seems like that would be yeah. a big thing for Skitter Manners as well. Very helpful community yeah. coming together and yeah. that sort of thing. You know, this new setup means that audience members could just steal Twitch questions. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> totally my question. Exactly. Although they'll know it. Twitch will know. So this one's a softball. Will there be a Starfinder something for free RPG Day this year? Oh, definitely. We've already announced it. It's it's Skitter Crash. And the next line of the Skittermanders have a bunch of fun doing things line of free RPG Day adventures. That's the full official name. <laughs> yeah, it's All a really long title. Yeah. And does the knowledge of the technology that destroyed Eox still exist? Oh, we sort of got into that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so yes and no, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes no, mostly, maybe. mostly not unless the corpse. Secret tells the back world. Where did apostate come from? That is one of the big mysteries because apostate has been. So for people who aren't familiar with every with everything, the solar system that Starfinder uh, is set in was originally developed for Pathfinder in a book called Distant Worlds. And so, um, except for Absalom Station, because that came out in Starfinder. But Aposte was around in Pathfinder times, and it is not a naturally occurring satellite of the sun, so it came from somewhere else, but that is one of the big mysteries of both Pathfinder and Starfinder, so we're probably not gonna say. Unless anybody has theories they I want mean, to share. I we, mean, we do sort of hint that it might, people think that it might be a big spaceship yeah. of some kind, but people don't really know where it came from. So, it's, yeah, it's tricky. All right. This question's, I scrolled back up. This one's a little deeper. In Dead Sun's book one, Incident at Absalom Station, the back matter on the station mentions three groups who could potentially be responsible for a recent assassination attempt on the current Primex, Kamara Melacruc? Mela Cruz. 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 Mm -hmm. Two of those suspects are the Six Tip Gang and the Strong Absalon Movement. What can you tell us about these two groups? That was much deeper. That was very <laughs> deep. That's what I could tell. <laughs> well, the Strong Absalon Movement, we have, we have um, detailed to, to some extent in the core rulebook, which is a group that believes that Absalom, that Absalom Station, which replaced the planet of Galarian, is a place just for humans, and it should be just the human place. Um, most of the other inhabitants of Absalom Station who are not human um, do not agree with that, but they're kind of a, a not very nice, possibly terroristic organization that uh -huh. is... A lot of humans would agree, right? Too probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're a definite fringe group that is looked down upon by probably a lot of people. Right. The Six Tips Gang, we haven't done anything. I think it was more of just a, a name drop of, I mean, it's, I forget the exact number of people offhand. It was like something like 10 million or 5 million or 1 million. I don't know. There, There is at least a million in there. So it's, you know, this, it, it's probably some kind of local, um, local gang. Sometimes we just kind of, you know, like name drop things and then there are adventure seeds that GMs can take and, and kind of develop and flesh out for their own campaigns. Or that we 
take. And, yeah. Yeah. And so we, we, we will also, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're like, we've never done anything with that. So who knows? There may be a six tips gang six tips, uh, AP. Six AP volumes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Six tips. Name the six tips. Um, <laughs> That, that the six tips gang kind of sounds like a Yusoki gang to me, and I don't know why. I think it's a five point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But there's lots of street oh. gangs on Absalom Station, so there's <laughs> lots of areas where gangs hang out. So. Two in that volume alone, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, in some shows I've watched about the search for extraterrestrial life to discuss the possibility of life inside moons like um, Europa or Enceladus. Is there any in um, Starfinder setting where you have a colony or aliens or whatever developed in that environment where it's basically you know the ocean underneath the surface of a frozen moon? Yes, a, a couple. Yeah, we do have a couple. Um, do we? Nope. Same one. Okay, fair enough. Um, I there is a frozen moon-like object in the diaspora called Nissus, or Nisus. I think Nissus sounds better to me. Um, it has a frozen outer core and then sort of inner cities. And it actually doesn't, What it, uh, who live there are Sarcesians who are not uh, aquatic in any way, uh, but they just live in these bubble cities that sort of that, uh, adhere to the inside surface of the frozen moon. Um, and the, uh, that, that ball, frozen ball of water is actually the source of the river between, that big river that flows through the diaspora. Um, so that's one that I can think of off the top of my head. Is Kalamahoy frozen-y, or is it just watery? Don't remember. It's just watery. Okay. But of course, being a science fantasy setting, we can do even crazier stuff, you know. And so we have lots of examples of even crazier stuff than just people living under a frozen ice and some, yeah. in some kind of ocean. I mean, we've got planets held together by energy fields and planets that share their atmospheres every once in a while. Um, planets that aren't planets at all, but are possibly giant embryos of great old ones. You know, it's yes. just. It, your bog standard planets that you find around the, the <laughs> galaxy. Including bog planets. Bog planets. <laughs> We've got a lot of little questions here. Um, if you could add one race as playable that hasn't been made playable yet, which one would it be? Platyparians. That <laughs> <laughs> would be a whole new one. Um, uh, 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 oh, I don't have one. I feel like everything. Everything I want, I get. That was going to be my answer. Everything Rob wants, I get. No. It's true, because we do just put them in. Yeah, we put some right in. Are there... Not in particular. Are there plans for more info on Hib and the Bantrid? That is one of mine. Yeah. Um, I was just talking about it in the last panel about in the Art of Starfinder about they're like is there like a favorite alien the art of like it's the Patrons. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we have any? We don't have any plans at the moment, uh, mm -hmm. but I would hope that if there were plans, someone would talk, talk to describe me. Describe a Patrons. A Patrons look like a nose. No, it no, is a um, <laughs> it uh, it is a it is a it is a it is an, a cone kind of shaped alien with a wheelie bottom, uh, you know, trackball bottom. Um, uh, 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 what do we call them? The foot orbs. Foot orbs, um, yeah. And they roll around, um, and they have little sort of uh, sea slug-like fins on their along their face. Those are their, their arms. Those are their arms, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and they're appendages, and they can move stuff. And they were sort of Hib, uh, I believe, is Brethida, one of the tiny moons of Brethida, and then they just sort of came out like came out of the. Uh, uh, out of some stasis, and they're like, "Hey, what's up, everybody? We're, we're, what's going on?" And all of their, you know, with the gap, all you know, all their records are gone, so they don't know who, where they came from really themselves. But they're just out there, maybe they're making friends, hopefully. 
Yeah, I can see we don't have any plans specifically for Hib or the Bantrids because that was in Pact Worlds, which was you know our campaign setting for the Pact Worlds. But I could see like if we did an adventure path set on Brethida or something, it, you know, it, depending on what that would be, we could have it go to Hib, and there might be something more like in a Back Matter article. Yeah, that'd probably where it would be if we did it. But no plans at this point. We have so many sort of like lots of little elements, and as you were saying uh, earlier in the uh, AP Q and A, our universe is so big that we kind of actually can almost never get to all of it. <laughs> so even if something we drop like and that we're all kind of excited about, like Bantrids and, and, and Hib. We may not ever ever get there because we're doing a million other things. Um, sorry, <laughs> I feel, I'm as sad as you are. I get a question for. Um, uh, I joined a Pack World book. Is there plans to come up with detailed book booklets for each individual world, more detailed? Because it's kind of overgeneralized each world. Right. So I was, I was hoping for like more detail, more background, more maps, more stories behind the worlds themselves. And how does distance, distance worlds fit into a Starfinder? Or does it doesn't at all? All right, so the, the first question, um, which is, no, I just, I'm just... Are we going to go in? Are we going to have right, a, a right, Breath right. of the Book, a Eons right. book? Yeah, yeah. So we, we have to, Starfinder has been out for less than two years now. Like Jason was just saying, we've got such a huge galaxy. So Pack Worlds expanded on the information that was given in the core rulebook, of course. And, and everybody wants more. But if we do a big dive on a planet, I mean, we have... Our setting is kind of loosely divided into three spheres almost. You have the packed worlds, that's the central thing. Then you have near space and the vast. And we haven't even done anything about those yet. So with our current production schedule, it's probably unlikely that we're going to do a book specifically on a planet because out of all the planets, I mean, some people might be interested in that, but other people wouldn't. Um, you know, if, we, if, if the game grows and we get more and can do more books and stuff, then we might start looking at that, be able to take those sort of deeper dives. Um, at this point, we don't have, because we pretty much have the adventure path and then the big rule books um, or the big, the big hardback books every year. And that's, that's our main, the main thrust of our products. What, what, what we um, have done, though, is, and we'll probably see some more in the future, is, is slightly more granular, like in an adventure path book. So far, we've seen a detailed gazetteer of the city of Kuvakara on Verses. And that's just one city on this gigantic planet. We might get a future, like some uh, different, uh, Absalom Station, for instance, which did get an article, uh, which is about the same size as the article that it got in Packworld. But um, uh, I can't, did we do anything else? Yeah. Uh, yeah, bits of the Burning Archipelago, exactly. Yeah, yeah, the Dawn of Flame. So we're going to have, those will get peppered in probably as we need them and as we, as they fit into the adventure path. But uh, yeah, so basically. Perhaps in. Yeah, we, we, we got to grab what we grab and fit what we can fit where we can fit it. And uh, and uh, that's that's the uh, nature of the reality. There was a second question, and I forgot. The, the, the distant worlds. Oh, yeah, this, how does this yeah, world fit in? Yeah. Does it fit in yeah. the, uh, the Starfinder or it's it's really more the inspiration because it's that was the uh, our original creative director for Starfinder, James Sutter, wrote that book for Pathfinder, and so that kind of became. And then when Starfinder was like, well, let's, let's set it in the same solar system. And so what we did when we were first working on the game was look at distant worlds and say, what do we want to change and update for Starfinder? You know, like how how has the future changed? So a good example of that is. 
on the world of Aposte, which may or may, 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 may or may not be a giant ship. It had these aliens in distant worlds in Pathfinder called the Ailee that had all sorts of different forms. Well, by the time we get to Starfinder, the Ailee are no longer there, and the Drow now control most of Aposte. So that's one of the changes that we did. You could certainly go back and look at distant worlds and sort of incorporate some of that into your game, but we kind of kept the pieces we wanted and changed the other things to make it different from, from Pathfinder. So, because that was really written for Pathfinder and for Pathfinder characters that might somehow visit these planets. But certainly the original inspirations for everything are in there. And Distant World is almost like a history book for the Starfinder. Uh, yeah. Bits of the Starfinder. Because that's all pre-Gap. Yeah, that's all the sort of ancient history of the solar system. Okay. So that that's the kind of stuff that you could bring in as this is what they used to be. I enjoyed thoroughly. Thank you. Um, there's a series of just questions and, and comments about Triaxis mm -hmm. and what season it is and where the planets are in their orbit at any given moment. Um, you know, I, I think so that might, how much of this is, is canon, is locked in? Do you, do you want homebrew players to be able to change, pick the orbit of a planet at any given time? How do you guys feel about where planets are in their orbits and what seasons they're in? A lot of our rules uh, provide for the glossing over of that uh, for those who are not interested in the exact orbits and working out you know, trajectories and slingshotting around various planets and spending probably several sessions over the course of months. Figuring Raise out your hand if you're an astrophysicist sitting yeah, here. Yeah, right. mm, no, okay. Uh, yeah, so like drift travel or even non-drift travel within a system is a die roll in part to account for the fact that sometimes the planets will be here and sometimes they'll be on opposite ends of their solar system. Uh, so that's my answer to that. That's a yeah. good answer. <laughs> Triaxis is in winter. Um, we have established that, mm -hmm. although the Riforians, the native, or one of the native sapient races of Triaxis, they used to be winter-born and summer-born. Now they, they still are, but they can choose which one they want to be. Even though Triaxis is in, is in winter, um, there's nothing like gene therapies gene and that kind of stuff that they can be, I want to be summer-born because this is the this is the future. So. We know that Triaxis is in its winter, but where exactly? I mean, its orbit is so different from everyone else's, and I'm pretty sure is in the real universe actually impossible to yeah. to function that way. But in a science fantasy universe, anything is possible. And I would say, if, you know, for your home game, you can you can always do whatever you want in your home game. We don't. And this kind of, of, we mean we don't care what you. Do. I mean, deeply. We, <laughs> I want you to be happy. Yes, yeah, so we want you to be happy. That's what I get. Yeah, that's what we care about. That's a good point. And even beyond like planetary orbits, just with everything else, that's why we divided the setting into near space and the vast, and that's basically it's based on the density of drift beacons, not any actual distances, because trying to map out every single star in a galaxy would be a fool's errand, to say the least. And so it's not about how far something is, but about how easy it is to get to. And so it's not like a the near space and vast are not like a physical map of the relationship of things. It's, and that's, again, to kind of get away from, you know, we just want to tell fun stories and everything, and we're not scientists that can actually figure that out. Back and, off. And real, real scientists would say, that's wrong, so, you know. The same is true for communication, too. We have, that's built into the game, too. The yeah. Communication uses the same rules, basically, as travel, so. Cool. So I was just curious about the moral of and if it was going to make its way into a source book at all. Um, I would, would say cool. pay attention to the preview banquet tonight. <laughs> yeah, come on by. And prepare to be disappointed. <laughs> 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 
I wouldn't do that. <laughs> you put on a slide that specifically says there will never be a more than one in any core product. Um, anything about any future plans to talk about the Vescarium? Yeah. Well, as, yeah, the Vescarium. As I mentioned, we, we've got, uh, so the Vescar are core race yeah. um, in, in the core rulebook, who are not from the Pact Worlds. They're the only core race that's not from the Pact Worlds. Um, but they're they there have, now. They have, they have, yeah, yeah. But you're right. You're right. So are the best, but the best. I mean, the Sheeran don't have the Sheeran because well, Kasathas do, but it's way, way far away. Um, but like I said, with the Pact Worlds and Near Space and the Vast, we kind of have three um, pieces of the setting, and the Vescarium is located in one of those pieces. So you know, specifically Near Space. Specifically Near Space. So nothing official to announce, but. You know, things it would seem to make sense to go there sometime. Yes. Yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> um, so obviously, there's a lot of like really good sci-fi out right now, like in all forms of media. It's a good time to be a nerd. How much of what you guys see in other media influences things you do with Starfinder? Like, do you avoid ideas because you don't want to copy? Do you think, oh, that's cool, we should incorporate some elements, or do you kind of develop Starfinder in, in a vacuum where you just have your plan and you just go with it. Vacuum of space. Uh, so the core rulebook has a big list of inspirations that we cop to immediately like, hey, we are not in a vacuum. As does the beginner box too. The beginner the box, beginner box too, has, yeah. a, has a bunch a, of A shorter list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in keeping with the theme of that product. But yeah, uh, all of it I think is the answer to yeah. everything we see I think inspires us in some way. Obviously we never want to copy, but there's a lot of great ideas and they make us think of even Cool, not necessarily cooler, but you know, other ideas that are also cool. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be practically impossible to live in the society that we live in today and not take in any sci-fi mm -hmm. as as the nerds that we particularly are, and not you know be able to work in a vacuum would be really really hard. Yeah. For me, it's a huge influence, definitely, because I've always been a big sci-fi fan. And when I was working on Pathfinder, I'm also a big history buff. And so in Pathfinder, I take a lot of historical things to use as inspiration. Now with Starfinder, I can take like sci-fi and historical stuff and blend them together. And like Joe said, I mean, we, we don't want to do the exact same things. But there's so many inspirations, and I love so much stuff in science fiction that <laughs> trying to find ways to do similar things or something is a lot of that comes into it, I think. A uh, question from Twitch about the Elf Gates and how they're connected to some of the, the planets and worlds of the system. Are they used to travel outside of the solar system? Um, are there plans to map out a network? Um, or expanding that concept in general? So we have certainly, the, 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 the Elf Gates were built by, um, oh, what are they called? Um, Elves? Elves, elves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Elves built the elf gates. <laughs> they're from they're from Castrovel. Um, most of what we've talked about has either been on a single planet, like on Castrovel, or within the same solar system. But there's also been a few that go places that no one knows where it goes, or that are not active. So a lot of those are are kind of things we've dropped. The GMs can play with if they want. Um, there's also a lot of stuff that was lost in the gap. So they certainly could, although we haven't really talked about like elves really going farther out. There could also be portals that aren't elf gates that were built by other people, though, that connect things. Portals are a big theme sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Do each one of you have a favorite secret of the pack worlds? That's the, the, the open-ended question. Yeah, we were talking about this before we started, and we all kind of looked at each other and going, like, is there something we would definitely want to say? 
Said them right at the beginning. And we <laughs> said them at the beginning. How to yeah. pronounce those plans. But for reals, do we, ha do we have any? Do we have uh, any? I, anybody? I like the first ones of Avalon. I think there's a lot of cool stuff there. Uh, in the Dawn of Flame Adventure Path volume that I wrote, uh, there's some interaction with them that I think is pretty cool. Uh, it's always kind of a an interesting trick, like when you play through an AP and it has it would have an effect on the setting. Does that really happen in the setting? You know, that's something that I think there have been panels about here at Bizocon yeah. for Pathfinder Second Edition. Like, what happened? What was the result of the world win yeah. in the end? Uh, so, so I don't want to say too much about it, and I don't know that it will have ripple effects necessarily. But that, that's one of the most interesting things to me. Uh, one of the things that's on my mind a lot lately is uh, the swarm. Uh, and we go ahead and say things, at least in the core rulebook, is like, you know, we know the swarm is a thing. The Sheeran used to be part of the swarm. The Sheeran ended up in the pack world in 83 years after the gap. What happened during that 83 years? Uh, it actually gets a little bit described in the uh, upcoming Attack of the Swarm Adventure Path and where they went and who they met and what happened to the Sheeran a bit uh, before they got to the pack worlds with their dire warnings. Yeah, the, the swarm's the, right behind us, maybe. Um, uh, but and how they and then eventually how they maybe got a little integrated with the pack worlds. But uh, that was an interesting thing to think about, like because we hadn't really thought about it and just sort of hey, let's now detail it out. So keep an eye out. Did the Sheeran lead the swarm to the pack worlds? <laughs> No, um, some people aren't. That, that's a miss. That's a bit of a maybe yes, maybe no kind of situation. Uh, but it's always sort of like they're, they're the Sheeran always afraid that the swarm are after them, and they a little bit are. For me, it's uh, this is a little bit beyond the Pact Worlds, but using Pact Worlds as the broad name for our, for our setting. In the first uh, adventure path, Dead Sons, uh, we talk about these two ancient alien races um, who lived millions of years ago that were super advanced starfaring things, and they're not. Uh, they kind of. They have a little bit of a role to play, but uh, I'd like to, there, there's some other stuff to, to do with them because the really ancient alien civilizations and what they've left behind are, is kind of a fun secret to play with. So I'm interested in seeing about that in the future, I, I hope. Little questions. Um, is there a debt collector organization in Pact Worlds that's been established? Oh, the Knee Breakers. The Knee Breakers. <laughs> Probably many. Yeah, uh, many. I imagine yeah. there, there has nothing, to be. Yeah. Nothing specific. Nothing that specific that we've given a name uh -huh. to, I don't think. I could imagine Abadar Corp having a department. A department involved. of knee breaking. I think no, maybe, probably I think a, that a department might have kept of, in, uh, of, of, of collections. A department yeah. of collections, yeah, I could see that. Mm -hmm. How about, uh, is there, are there any known groups that are against drift travel? Yeah, we talked about that a little bit, I think, in the Drift article. But yeah. because you are ripping, you are definitely ripping a part of another plane into the drift when you travel using a drift engine, there are some conscientious objector, objectors who, you know, you're, you're taking the risk that you're ripping someone's, like half of someone's house into the, into the drift. Or more unfortunately, that person. Or half of the person. Half of that person, <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't, did they have a name? Do you remember, Joe? I don't remember. Okay. Jason, I can't I remember either. Uh, sorry. <laughs> you wrote that, so yeah, I was hoping. And then that was a the long gap, time the ago. Gap, the gap. The gap has There's also some groups that have developed their own uh, type of starship drives, like particularly planar drives. The, the, the Church of Saren Ray has some, I believe, like the, or the, the Zonkuthan Zon has shadow drives, and so I think a lot of those people, because they use sort of this proprietary magic or proprietary technology, they, it's not so much that they're opposed to drift travel as that they just have a thing that they use that they prefer better that serves their needs. Cool. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, we didn't have any more oh, sure. questions? <laughs> Otherwise, we're... I'm trying to like <laughs> compile them. There's a couple of questions about, um, I'm gonna get this name wrong, Demoratosh. Yeah, um, you got it right. Exactly right. right. Yeah. Uh, 
current domain, hell. I'm not sure of this plot line myself, so. Oh, where, where does, does Demortash live? Reside. Yeah. Where does the god uh, Demortash live? Well, he is lawful evil, mm -hmm. which would tend to be one of the things we have. We haven't done a whole lot of stuff with the planes. Um, probably the most we've done on the planes would be the drift and the shadow plane. And plane of um, fire. And the plane and of fire now. Coming up, yeah, yeah, or we, we, we we'll, will we'll, soon. We'll so. We haven't really gone into like where each god lives in the multiverse because we haven't really expanded into that yet. I mean, if, if for your game, if you wanted to say hell because he's lawful evil, that could work, but it doesn't have to be what it would be. I could even see like um, Axis maybe. No, but yeah, that's something, it's not like we have like a whole bunch of secrets. We just have this list lists of things that we're <laughs> waiting to publish. It's, we're trying to work on the stuff we are publishing. And right. so at, at the time it, it comes to, that's when we decide those sorts of things. Yeah, but. and, and we'll, we'll, if it's important, something big and important like that, it is something that we do uh, often discuss. At least bring it to Rob and be like, hey, Rob, what do you think? Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's not doing this. Hopefully not just pulling the stuff completely out of it, thin air. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone? Okay, there's more. I. This is a little out of my knowledge, but uh, where's the best place to find Afrofuturism in the Pact world? Might, maybe inspired by the Black Panther oh, and yeah. all that tech? Oh, no. I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> I don't have a good answer for that yet. Okay. Um, anywhere you want it to be, yeah. uh, kind of. Uh, we have yet to sort of sit down and like take the... Although, although I, I think at some point where the, those those ships that they have in the Black Panther, I was like, I want starships that do yes. this and look like this, and I, we sort of have like maybe one that's that's not it's mild mechanical, but um, yeah, we haven't yet fully pushed the, room, that. It's room for development fully. there. Room yeah. for development. Yeah, one hundred percent. That might be a couple of people who wanted that answer. So great. Um, how large are the various Pact Worlds fleets? That's kind of specific, but. Yeah, that's as, a, as big as big. you need them to be. You know? <laughs> yeah, very big. Yeah, I mean, we we we've made some some references to to some of the fleets, like the corpse fleet that left. That was mainly Eox, or most of Eox's navy. Probably Eox has built it up since then. Um, but since we haven't done a whole lot of stuff with like fleets, there's really not been a thing of like they have X number of ships and everything because that's. That's a level of detail that's not necessarily important. Not, I mean, if people are interested in that, sure. But it's it's something that it can kind of be whatever whatever you want it to be. I mean, we've got some guidelines that the combined Pact Worlds and Vescarium fleets were able to drive off the swarm. So you can assume they were pretty big. Um, you talking about the Armada around Absalom Station kind of being big enough to drive off. Yeah. To make it not obvious, like, oh, this fleet can just come and take yeah. Absalom Station. Exactly. Here's a super super specific one. With we'll go those. Right? Yeah, yeah, we'll <laughs> there's some really open-ended ones. There's some really specific ones. With Absalom Station being a major drift exit, how do, how often does a chunk of another plane get pulled into the pack system? And do the stewards have a contingency plan in place to deal with this? So uh, that's not how that works exactly. <laughs> okay. Because the, the bits of the other plane get pulled into the drift. We have yet to see stuff come out of the drift with the minor exceptions. No, how did, how did the drift rod come out? They of the pulled, drift? they towed it out. They of towed the drift. it. So that you can was, uh, pull things yeah. out of the drift using drift energy, but it comes with your ship. But that was also out. a piece from a demi Right, yeah, it came but, uh, like, into the drift, but it got out of the drift. The worst problem would be somebody goes into the drift and it takes a piece of the material plane that includes Absalom Station. That would be bad that if it went bad. that way. That, but or any part of the, any yeah. bad really worlds. Cool. <laughs> also that. Speaking of that possibility, are there any groups or people in the Pact Worlds that may be trying to weaponize that ability to pull stuff into the drift 
that isn't necessarily for the use of movement, but for, oh, hey, this part of the planet, I don't like them. Let's put them in the drift. Yeah. There have to be people researching how to control yes. that random process, right? Yeah. And even just figure out why it's happening. Like, you know, that's still something. That but, yeah, but is it random? It, yeah, exactly. Exactly. The, exactly yeah. Well, it's a, <laughs> I mean, drift travel's only been around for a little bit over 300 years when Triune. The, the new god triune who no one had really heard of before said, check it out, faster than light travel. We'll take it. And so I think that you know, you're dealing with something that a god basically put into place or possibly even the god just discovered. That's another one of the big mysteries is, did triune create the drift or did triune discover the drift? And uh, so it's probably very hard to, to weaponize that because no one's really sure how it works. We, we, uh, we, we were just fairly recently banding about thoughts about something like that for some for for future, but uh, it didn't make it on to the. It, it's on again. We talked about this at the Starfinder Adventure thing. A list, the list of yeah. adventure ideas. But the Church of Triune also feels very a sense of ownership over the the drift, and they certainly would probably not want people to to yes. do that. I would think, think so. That's what shadow drives do, actually. Shadow drives are total, totally event horizon nonsense. <laughs> uh, are there any other churches that have big old navies in, in your minds? Iomide uh, definitely does, because uh-huh. um, they've got a bunch of, of cru- crusades. I mean, we haven't gone too much. Trying, we haven't even said it has like a, a navy of any sort. Um, they, 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 uh, they probably have ships because the, 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 the clerics go out and put the drift beacons in place, so they have to have some kind of yeah, space travel, yeah. but they probably don't have a massive army-navy type thing. I could see the Church of Demoratosh having some ships. I mean, the Vescarium obviously has ships. I could see the Church of Demoratosh having some of their own ships, too. Um, yeah. Um, the From the previous session, the art on the Drift Dead got me wondering, is it possible like to have a techno-magical option for capturing the soul so you could bring it back instead of it going, you know, drifting away? Kind of like an emergency, you know, life like, preserver, like grab man overboard, grab it. They're called androids. Just <laughs> 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 cram this soul into an android body. There could be. Yeah. yeah, we haven't done a whole lot with souls, but I don't, but it's I mean, you could be. I mean, there's I, we haven't done anything like that. I don't think. No, me- metaphysically, the river of soul, river of soul, still works the same general way as it does in Pathfinder. If you're familiar with that, um, and there are still we still have. Resurrect and or raise dead or uh, mm-hmm. reincarnate. So um, you know the spells kind of, but not so a good techno magical way to sort of unflatline somebody. Yeah. We haven't be. we haven't done night hags yet in uh, Starfinder, uh, have we? No, we have not. Yeah, not yet. Maybe. <laughs> Rejuvenation table, right? But that's just straight tech. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But that is not technology. But I could see like night hags, you know, in the future updating to uh, not just a magical thing, but a techno magical thing yeah. to sort of hold to steal souls and, and trade them on their own. That's yeah. separate from the river. How about clones as a player race, or maybe a heritage for any race? Is that in uh, the status of that? It's that is a very interesting thing. <laughs> but wouldn't a clone? <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't a clone of a Sheeran just be a Sheeran? Right? It's sure. I mean, when, was it calling a human just a human? Yeah. Now we get into some real wow. deep nonsense. Um, there may keep be your s- eye on the on the horizon. There may be some clones. Clones coming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is actually a little bit talk of uh, there is a clone army of sorts uh, mentioned in the um, uh, Absalom Station. 
Uh, there's like a weird, I can't remember what that name of it is, uh, but there's like a group of people who are all cloned of one person. Yes. And it, that, that, that's army is a bit much, yeah, army. yes. Not army, I, yeah, I was, yeah. I was. And I'm seeing the art, and it's the same thing, I'm, I'm totally blanking on, yeah. on their name again. Yeah. It exists. It exists. Something about it exists. If you look at the Absalom Station article, you'll see something. Suddenly remember it at the... Yeah, right, later. In the middle of your banquet speech, you'll be like, that's them. Ah. I can also look at my book then. Like. There are lots of questions still, so they keep on coming. Uh, we're at uh, uh, almost 5 o'clock, so I think we've got maybe, you know, 5, yeah. 10 minutes at most. Um, are there any plans to do an anti-hero slash criminal underworld slash bounty hunter slash pirate AP where the players are not working for the established governments? Something a little... Rebellious. I like that as a name of an AP. We don't have anything currently on the horizon. I think is... pirates are on the list. Though. Pirates are on the right. on the list. We right? do have this big lab. Uh, did we say? We just mentioned the list. We've talked about it in other panels of our AP ideas, and when it's time to outline the AP, we're like, let's go to the list, and we got, we keep adding new ideas to it. Yeah. But certainly, bounty hunters and space pirates are a big trope. So. Yeah, if you, there's an article uh, um, about criminal organizations, some, just a, a smattering of them uh, in the, in, among the uh, pack worlds and beyond. In, um, uh, I think it's number Star 15. Divers. I think it's number, yeah, 15, number 15, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that, that actually highlights some, some new criminal organizations yeah. and stuff. That's a cool article. Is there any setting material coming up that will tie the new classes coming out in the upcoming operations manual to the setting in a strong way, such as a guild of witch warpers or a legion of vanguards? So we, we have this uh, thing that happens when we put out new stuff and new classes or maybe archetypes or whatever. They kind of like don't exist in the setting until they exist in a splat book or what have you. And then they get worked in they usually get worked in sort of organically if something comes up like oh now that now we can reference the vanguard class here's a class of vanguards and uh, maybe somehow we can retcon a little bit but we, we generally stay away from that um, so you know and nothing planned exactly but again if it when it when it comes up organically and fits and is awesome we make it right. happen like the so like this criminal organizations article he was just yeah. talking about that if we were writing that after Character operations man, and we're like, oh well, this is like a guild of vanguards. It did because now deal. they'll be in the game. But obviously, we're we're working on that sort of stuff, like character operations manual now, or haven't really gotten into that stuff. So probably they will come in there, but we don't have like we got to get them in there right now because yeah. it is just more organic. But we, yeah, I can think of characters and upcoming things that are those new classes, and that will yeah, you might yeah. see them in, as NPCs and whatnot. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, Will we ever see any novels for the Starfinder universe? Uh, I've got one right yeah. here. <laughs> we, we'd, love to, we'd love to see some novels, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, could there ever be a microbot swarm class in Starfinder? Oh. Well, a wait, a class? A class. It says class. That'd yeah. Swarm class. Species. It'd be cool. It'd be really cool to have a playable species that was a swarm. That would be neat. <clears throat> that would be neat. That would be it? neat. <laughs> I know that tone of voice. Um, let's see, clones. How many planets? How many planets are in the Vescarum? Vescarium? Is it a multi-system empire? It is an eight-planet system. There are eight planets. There are eight planets. Um, there are like the Pact Worlds has things that are not planets. So so might the Vescarium. I think they're pretty much. Um, it's kind of. 
as a term, whether they're a multi-system, they're not multi-system in the same way that the Atlantis Star Empire is. They have multiple, multiple star systems. I think it's more similar to the Pact Worlds, where it's really focused on one thing, and then there's colonies and things out, which are technically part of the thing, but not really the, the core. How about uh, Shailen, uh, the god? Any followers of her in the Pact Worlds? There's something about talking about the shedding tears to make up the glaciers and dark side on Versus, and so I think there's some like wanting yeah. to know just how how. Well, she's not not one of the core twenty yeah. gods of of Starfinder, <coughs> but we've also said that if there's gods from Pathfinder that are not specifically mentioned, that they it's just it's not that the, these gods are gone or yeah. or dead or whatever. It's just they're not there's not a focus on them anymore. People have gone on to something else like. I guess beer is a lot more common in the future, so people don't worship Caden Kalian as much. Um, Seems like they'd worship him more if beer was more common. Maybe. But that's just me. I don't know. <laughs> um, you can't fly a space. You can't fly a starship and drink. So therefore, <laughs> not with that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> but Shalin has been mentioned that she, because Zan Kuthan is is one of the core gods. That's her brother, and she's mentioned that she kind of went off beyond the realms of reality for to find whatever changed him. So there probably are some worshipers, but her church is not is not nearly as to, as big or as influential yeah. as it used to be. To sort of pull uh, behind the curtain a tiny bit, there is a place in uh, the diaspora called Songbird Station, which uh, at some point was sort of very much heavily more involved with being uh, uh, connected to Shellen. And then Rob was like, well, you know, let's pull that back a little bit. So it's 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 definitely inspired by Shellen and, and, and especially the music and, and, and arts part of uh, her domain. So that's a big concert hall, by the way, in, in the diaspora. There's, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so, with the way androids release their souls in at the end of their lifespan when they want to give up their bodies for another soul to inhabit, um, what happens to that soul? Does it go to a sort of android cloud? And if that's the case, watch yourself, counselor. <laughs> through technological, magical means, would it be possible to introduce something to that cloud that could poison the entirety of the android? I think I think Android Souls sort of still function like every it's still the river of souls. It'll get into there and it'll get mixed in with all the other souls and go down to the boneyard and so forth and so on. Um, although, that could be happening somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And that would be a cool story to campaign hook. Exactly. But it's like there's not human souls or gnome souls or Vesk souls. It's souls are and then they after they go through the whole system they end up in those bodies. And it's the same with androids. Is yeah. that, they're not specifically android souls. Now, the one thing that does get reused is android bodies get reused and new souls can be put into or can appear into android bodies. One of the great things about the chat going on here is that people occasionally ask questions and then other people start answering them <laughs> on their behalf. So the questions get refined. So let me see if I can. This one's the subject is about um, like mechs and mecha. And uh, not so much power armor, because that's somewhat been discussed, but like the really big stuff, like vehicle-sized mech. Is it that um, part of the, the, your vision or um, on, the t on the table? I guess that's the, the yeah. question. We want the Gundams. <laughs> we all know yeah, you want right. the Gundams. Certainly yeah. on the table. We just haven't figured uh -huh. out the best time or place or way to, to do those. I yet. mean, I think so. there's, personally, it sounds like AP material to me. 
If it's if it's that, you know, <laughs> put it in the core rule book. I mean, chorus, but it's but, like you know, you know if it's that significant. Um, I mean, Owen Casey Stevens. Owen Casey Stevens has a Gundam on his desk, so we, we are mm-hmm. certainly aware of Max. And <laughs> So, uh, okay, here's more of a cultural question about plans for uh, how, uh, the, the development for famous people of the pack worlds, like historical figures or politics or bands or comedians or artists and sportsmen. You know, I think there's a real thriving cultural development going on. How do you see that unfolding in, in books to come? It just integrated into everything else or something standalone? Yeah, I mean, strawberry machine cakes everywhere. <laughs> right, but that was something that just organically yeah. happened. That was created for a Starfinder Society scenario, and it became really popular. And even grumpy old me was like, "That's awesome!" Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's... But it, those are really great ways to just sprinkle details and make it feel like a lived-in universe. Um, like in the armory, there's a, a musical instrument, <laughs> and in the art order, I just asked for a. A strawberry sticker on it, <laughs> uh, but they came up with a cool little logo for the strawberry machine cake, and it's not like anything. But if you know what it is, then it's cool. Otherwise, it's not. But. I mean, you think about like pop culture just on the entirety of the planet Earth. You know, we might be real versed about American pop culture, but there's your, you know, European pop culture and Japanese pop culture, you know, Chinese pop culture, and all sorts of things that you might not know. You might see it on the internet, right? And so that's sort of like uh, uh, now, now expand that out to a universe, right? So we've got people like Zoe and. Um, uh, uh, you know, strawberry machine cake and stuff that that we get glimpses of, and maybe we'll eventually introduce someone else a little bit here. And the fact you know it, it sparks the imagination of the uh, of, of y'all. Uh, well, maybe we'll see that person again. But I can imagine there's just again an ocean of this stuff that we can only every so often just get dribs and drabs out of. All right, I think this will be the last question, unless somebody else in the room has one, and we'll just ask about. Um what are the the terasks of of the planets of the the pack worlds who are the biggest baddest monsters there's one that somebody knows about that's a kaiju like creature the kyokor yeah in alien archive one i believe the tables in alien archive one for building your own creatures go up to cr25 they do Mm -hmm. alien archive and alien archive 2 don't have anything above cr20 that sounds like there may be an alien archive after two that does. <laughs> Who can say? Yeah. Not anyone at this Cer- table. Certainly the Kyokor is one big super kaiju thing that goes on that planet. Um, we've got a couple of other either, I think mostly coming to their big like planet devastating type monsters, um, which you will soon see. I don't think there's anything in two that's like that because you were... Huh, I don't think so. Yeah. But coming soon, there will be some some big planet devastating monsters just like that. To devastate your okay. planet, your home planet. <laughs> coming to a planet near you. <laughs> All right, and I guess we are out of time. So thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. All.